Welcome to Ask a Lawyer with me, Steve Sleeper. Our guest today is attorney Robert Bruce with the Bruce Law Firm in Rock Hill, South Carolina. At the Bruce Law Firm, they believe everyone charged with a crime deserves an advocate who genuinely cares about their case and treats them with compassion. I began the interview by asking Robert about himself and his firm. I grew up in uh, South Carolina, Rock Hill uh, specifically, and so my firm is in Rock Hill. Um, I uh, married, have two kids, one just out of college, one in college, and uh, after I graduated from Winthrop University, I, um, my undergrad, I actually worked for a year, uh, believe it or not, marketing uh, retirement community. I enjoyed it very much, but I, of course, I didn't major in marketing, but uh, it was a great job. Um, I worked there for a year, uh, did pretty well, but then went to law school, um, graduated in law school, in, and I will date myself, 1993. Since about 2013, I've been practicing by myself as the Bruce Law Firm, primarily criminal defense. I do a little bit of business litigation type stuff, just a tiny bit of personal injury. But the bulk of my practice is uh, criminal defense and has been since I started practicing in 2013. Well, if if you don't mind, I'd like to focus on um... DUI defense today, and I'm ask you some questions about that. Absolutely. And the first one is always, what should I expect from a good DUI defense lawyer? Well, uh, I think you would want first someone that's knowledgeable, um, specifically DUI laws here in our state uh, can be complicated. Um, there are a lot of things that can come to pass if you're convicted that in addition to the fine or jail or community service, there's, in fact, you know, more things impact your license, ability to drive and the things that you have to do related to that. Um, so you want someone that's very knowledgeable that can navigate the system to try to get the best outcome with the least amount of penalties. Um, so you want someone that's knowledge. You want someone that's dedicated. You want someone that uh, you feel comfortable with. I've, I've said this to potential clients before. I mean, you know, you, you want somebody that you feel like you can trust to give you the best guidance because there may come a time where, you know, you're going to have to accept that advice, at least consider it. And you you want to think that that attorney has your best interest in mind versus just trying to make a buck. What happens with a DUI stop in South Carolina? Your typical DUI, somebody's stopped for a traffic violation. They believe they're under the influence. They don't, don't do well on field sobriety. The, they're arrested for DUI. They're going to take them in, and they're going to ask them to provide a breath sample. Um, the person can refuse, and there are consequences for refusal but that's it. Uh, if they refuse, there's no further test that that our implied consent law approves. If somebody is arrested, same same factual scenario, except that the officer suspects that the person is on some sort of drug um, and they take the breath test first and and has a have a very low reading or a zero reading. 
At that point, the officer could request a urine sample. Um, and again, the person can refuse. And if they refuse, um, they're the same consequences would be there, even if he, he or she took the breath test first. Um, lastly, um, blood, which of course is the most accurate blood is, is typically something that if you're, if it's just a basic DUI, the, the off law enforcement is not going to be able to get not pursuant to our implied consent law. In other words, um, the only time blood comes into play is if you are arrested or suspected of felony DUI, which means you were driving DUI and you called cause great bodily injury or death, um, then the officer can can take a, a blood blood sample. But otherwise, no. Um, the only other exception to that is if the person was in an accident and they're injured and they have to go to the hospital and they're not able to do uh, a breath test, then the law allows law enforcement to request a blood sample. Again, they can refuse that and their consequences. Um, but what I see sometimes is law enforcement sort, sort of going outside of our implied consent law and they'll get a search warrant and require the person to give blood that way. I don't like it, but I see it. And unfortunately, there's, you know, it's, it's lawful. Um, if they have a valid search warrant to take somebody's blood, but the, the implied consent law does not provide for blood other than those scenarios that I've just described. The breath test would be at the police station or jail. Uh -huh. The urine and blood would be done at the local hospital. Oh. Yes. And it, okay. it has to be, it has to be administered by some sort of medical person. Um, and that then the sample would be transferred from that medical person to the officer. What are the consequences of refusing the tests that I can that I'm allowed to refuse? If you're arrested for DUI and you're taken in, the officer asks you to submit to a breath test and you refuse. Um, the consequence would be your, your license. If you're a South Carolina driver, if you're an out of state driver, your privilege to drive, uh, would be suspended for six months. And there are some, uh, ways you could still drive. You can have an ignition interlock device put on your vehicle for that period of time and drive. Um, or you can get a route restricted license, which would allow you to drive to and from work only. But what I recommend to all of my clients is they can request an administrative hearing to challenge that. And that that, that allows me to potentially get a better outcome. Um, I always tell my clients, my goal is to get the best possible outcome. And even with the refusal and the consequences there, if you don't request a hearing, I cannot get you the best possible outcome. So I, rec so I ask them, my clients to do that. It's a separate proceeding. It's, it's an administrative. It's not directly connected to the criminal case. But once you request the hearing, the law allows that person to get a temporary alcohol license and they can drive without any restrictions at all. Um, so that's one benefit. And the other one is a lot of times either the officer won't show up or I can I can, you know, negotiate an officer to to waive the hearing or, uh, you know, I can work out the, the DUI case and then then get the hearing waived. So there's a lot of ways to get get that refusal to go away. Um, and one of the other reasons I 
recommend my clients do that is because if you don't challenge the refusal, there's an additional consequence that you have to enroll in and complete a series of alcohol education classes, ADSAP. Um, and that's even if the DUI case gets dismissed. So, uh, you know, again, my, my goal is to get the best possible result. And so I, I, that applies both to the refusal and those consequences as well as the criminal case. Do the cops make mistakes with, with the testing? They do, um, for sure. And unfortunately, I've seen that our courts are sort of getting uh, looser and looser about, you know, what they'll allow as far as mistakes, unfortunately. But, yeah, mistakes are made, and sometimes mistakes can result in if we actually have a hearing, the hearing officer ruling against law enforcement and overturning the suspension uh, for the refusal. Um, so it it can happen. Um, it doesn't happen frequently, but it can happen, and mistakes are are definitely made still. Okay, so if I understand, I, I I've been pulled over for a DUI in South Carolina. The officer has probable cause to arrest me. I'm taken either to the hospital or to uh, the precinct house for testing. Uh, after that, do I spend time in jail? Do I am I there overnight? What, what happens? You are. It depends on, you know, what time of day or night and when the bond, who the who the agency is and when they have bond hearings. But, yes, you would be booked into the local jail um, and you would basically have to wait until um, the judge does a bond hearing for you. So you would not be released until you'd gone before a judge and the judge has set bond. The judge could release you on your own recognizance. Um, or require some sort of surety bond, but uh, you would stay in jail. It could be a few hours. It could be, you know, 10 hours, 12 hours, um, depends. Um, but uh, you would have to stay, spend a period of time in jail for sure. You touched on this a little bit, uh, talking about the administrative hearing, but uh, let me ask, what are the penalties for a DUI first? Um. For a DUI first, um, our um, laws have changed um, and they've created a um, sort of a tiered system. So the penalty for a DUI first offense um, depends upon your blood alcohol or breath alcohol content. So if you have a point or let me say this, if you have less than a point one zero result, uh, then that's the lowest tier. And that is a fine of up to $400 and um, I believe up to or up to 30 days in jail. Um, okay. Okay. And, uh, you know, if you blow higher on the breath test, if you blow a 0.10 up to a 0.15, then um, you jump into the second tier. So the fine is more and the potential jail time is a little bit more. And then the, the highest tier is a 0.16 or higher. And then obviously there's even more potential jail time and or the fine is higher. Um, another thing that that is a penalty, it's not it's not a criminal penalty. It's an administrative penalty. But um, if you're convicted of those lower two tiers, your license is suspended, but you can still get a provisional license and drive. If you're convicted of the third tier, your license is suspended and you cannot get a provisional license. So 
um, you know, obviously we want to try to get out of that top tier for, for obvious reasons. Prescription meds. How hard is that to prove? Any drugs, including prescription drugs, uh, are more difficult for the state to prove because sometimes they don't necessarily have a test. And even if they do, it's usually urine. And urine is not that reliable because basically, depending on the drug, let's say marijuana, for example, um, let's say they take the breath test at the zero and they they make them take a urine test because he thinks that the, somebody was smoking weed. Um, the urine test is only going to show that there are marijuana or marijuana metabolites in the urine and the toxicologist is only going to be able to say that this person used marijuana within the last two, three, four days. Well, and there's no way that the, the toxicologist can say based on what's in the urine as to what the level of intoxication was at the time of the traffic stop. So the same would be true some extent, I believe, depending on the drug, but I have to take each drug a case by case basis if it's a urine test and talk to the toxicologist and see what they say or can't say um, about level of, you know, uh, intoxication, what what the effects might be. Can they even speak to what the effects might be? Um, typically, what you see is the toxicologist would say, no, I can't define what that person, whether or not they would have been intoxicated. But what I can do is I can tell you if they were under the influence of that drug, what you'd likely see. And then the officer, of course, could testify to those similar type characteristics of what he saw the, the defendant doing and kind of match it up that way. But just generally speaking, uh, drug cases are harder to prove um, if they don't have a um, a blood specimen. If okay. they have a blood specimen and it's drugs, then um, that that is difficult for the defense to deal with. Right, right. How many cases uh, plea out as opposed to um, going to court? Most all uh, DUI cases plead out. I used to practice as a prosecutor for several different jurisdictions, and one of those was a municipality where I tried primarily DUI cases. So I've, as a prosecutor years ago, I've tried many, many, many DUI cases. Uh -huh. um, and as a defense lawyer, I handled probably more DUI cases than anything else. Um, so just with the experience, um, usually... Uh, I approach the uh, negotiations pretty aggressively. I don't give up easy. And usually I'm able to negotiate such a a, a good uh, option, uh, you know, relative to the case, strengths and weaknesses and all, that right. most of the time it is going to be in the client's best interest to take that. Um, sometimes I'm able to even get the case dismissed. So, you know, that though. So my goal, again, as I said earlier, is to get the best result possible. Um, it's only when the state offers something that's not even a good offer um, and, you know, we feel like we have a fair chance of winning at trial, would I ever look at going to trial? Um, you know, on a DUI first, the, the person's not going to be really at any substantial risk. They may get a little jail time if convicted. 
but it's the more the upper tier charges. If you've got a second or third offense, you're likely to get prison time if you're convicted. And if it's a felony DUI, um, which I have a number of those right now, and obviously those are much more serious in our state. Um, if you were DUI and you allegedly caused great bodily injury, you can get up to 15 years. And if you cause the death, you can get up to 25 years, no parole. Wow. So, so going to trial on a case like that is only something you would do as a last resort because of the potential risk that you're going to be in. Right, exactly. Okay, Robert, my last question here. If I plan on pleading guilty, let's say I'm racked with guilt. I know I had too much to drink. I just want to go to court and plead guilty. Do I still need an attorney? Absolutely. Um, Because DUIs are complicated, and there's a lot of consequences um, that can follow you for years down the road. A a DUI can never be expunged. You'll have it on your record for life. Um, So absolutely. Um, You know, if if you're definitely guilty, the evidence is going to show that, and that's going to be what I have to work with. But at least I can help the person through, get the best possible outcome, help them understand this is what you can do to drive. You know, for example, recommending the administrative hearing if they if they refuse to test or something. I mean, there's a lot of things that an attorney can do. Um, so I would not recommend just waltzing in there and pleading guilty. For example, maybe you took the breath test and you blew a 0.18 and you're like, well, I don't I can't fight that. So I'm just going to plead guilty to it. Mm-hmm. Well, you do. And then you realize after the fact that you can't get a provisional license and you're stuck. Right. So definitely. Definitely on a DUI. Our thanks to attorney Robert Bruce with the Bruce Law Firm in Rock Hill, South Carolina, for being our guest on Ask the Expert with me, Steve Sleeper. His phone number is 803-336-4411, and his website is thebrucefirm.com.